Welcome back to Hidden Messages Podcast. Today, I wanted to just talk briefly about upselling and cold calls. Now, if you've ever worked in any kind of situation in which numbers matter, you get measured by some kind of number, and that number is tied to directly to some kind of revenue, then you may have had your manager or maybe not your direct manager, but management or somebody above you pressure you to essentially cold call or try to upsell your customers or potential customers. And I have nothing against you. Usually the person doing the cold call or the person trying to upsell is not somebody in power, right? It's usually somebody who is just trying to make a living wage and sometimes not even doing that. So if you're a cashier at a store that's ever tried to upsell me, I have nothing against you as a cashier. If you are in a call center and that's the only job you could get and you've ever tried to cold call me, I have nothing against you as a person. But I still hate cold calls and I still hate upselling. And I do have something against the people who ask their employees to do this. So first of all, just so that we're clear on terms, but I think most people know what this stuff is, but upselling is basically when a customer wants to buy something and instead of just selling it to them, you say, oh, maybe you don't want the thing you actually asked for. Maybe you want something more expensive. Let me try to convince you to get the more expensive thing. That's upselling. Cold calling is, I have no relationship with you whatsoever. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am, but buy our product. Okay, actually I should qualify that. So it's not a commercial. It's literally somebody calling you on the phone or somebody emailing you who shouldn't even have your email address, frankly. And it just comes out of the blue and it's just like, hi, we're advertising you, even though you didn't ask for advertisements, right? So, you know, because if you're watching TV, you know, network TV and you haven't DVR'd it and a commercial comes on, you aren't asking for necessarily that particular commercial, but you are asking for commercials. Like that's, that's kind of a, an implicit agreement, right? I'm watching free TV, quote unquote free. And in return for not paying for this TV, I am agreeing that the network can show me advertisements. That's different from, I just open my inbox and then I get a random email from somebody that I, I don't want to get random emails from people, or I just have my phone around and then all of a sudden it rings and then somebody's advertising to me. That's not an agreement. There's no implicit agreement that that's supposed to happen. So there, there are a few problems that I have with both upselling and cold calls. And I think I, I'm lumping them together because I think they come from the same place from management. And it usually comes from, frankly, a lack of strategy and a feeling of helplessness. Now, when I say helplessness, I'm not talking about the corporation or the company or the shareholders or the people who are really in charge. I mean, from middle management, right? You, who, middle or upper management, who's not like, who usually, they're not in charge of the whole company. They're just in charge of their little area. So like if they're in charge of sales, they need to grow sales, right? They wanna make more sales. And usually they don't really know how to actually grow more sales. So what they fall back on are these things that look as if they're helpful, but they're actually terrible. And the reason they look as if they're helpful is that if you pester people enough, some people are gonna give in. But I don't know what kind of bias this is, if it's confirmation bias, it might be something else, sampling bias or something. But if you only look at the gains that you get from the activity you did, you don't actually see all the gains that you've missed from the activity you didn't do right? All you have to compare to is the activity you did before. And if the activity you did before was also upselling and also cold calls, then doing more upselling and more cold calls, increasing a little bit your, your bottom line 
doesn't mean that upselling cold calls is the best strategy, right? And if I can, if I can put it into just you know theoretical numbers, right? Let's say your revenue was two hundred million dollars last year, and you were upselling and cold calling, and then you said you told all your employees upsell more, cold call more. And then instead of $200 million, you got $201 million. And then you're like, yeah, we increased our revenue by 1%. But first of all, you're not looking at what you've lost. But second of all, you're only comparing it to a horrible strategy you were doing before. So I would challenge you if you're somebody who supervises people who work in some kind of sales arena to really think about what is going to give us lasting and meaningful revenue change versus what is just going to be what we did before but more of and maybe you're not in a spot to do that maybe you're not a decision maker about that but if you are really think about that now from the consumer side i'm not trying to victim blame here because if people are constantly bombarding you with something it takes energy to resist right i think i'm i'm sort of butchering an analogy that beverly daniel tatum or is it daniel beverly tatum man i haven't read her book in such a long time. She wrote a book called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And one analogy she made was basically that like with racism, you can't be neutral, right? And that if you're doing nothing, racism is like an escalator or a moving walkway. And so you are kind of going in a direction and you have to actively resist to not go in that direction. And it's the same thing for if you're a consumer. If companies are cold calling you, if they're upselling you, you have to actively resist to not with, do what they're doing because what they're doing is extremely obnoxious, right? It's sort of like if you are you know, in line and then somebody pushes you out of line, like they're cutting in line. If they literally push you, you have to physically push back or, or maybe just metaphorically push back to say, hey, that was my spot in line. And most people do that because it's so important for them to have that sense of justice and fairness, not just for them because they lost their place in line, but if people can just cut in line, it just disrupts the whole system and then all the other people who are waiting in line, it's bad for them. So most of the time when people get cut in line, they will say, hey, don't do that, right? But most people in general are pretty polite. So if a cashier or a call center person tries to upsell them or cold call them, most people will try to be kind of polite and they'll really think about even if it's just for a split second, like, do I want to raise a fuss about this? Like, do I actually want to spend the energy to push back? Maybe I should just go along with this, right? Is it that much more money, really? And they do a little bit of empathetic calculation as well. Like, just as in the beginning of this episode, I was saying, you know, I don't blame the cashiers. I don't blame the call center employees because it's not really a decision. Customers are doing that same thing, right? So they're, they're thinking, oh, man, but I don't really want to do this. But, I mean, is it really this cashier's fault for upselling me? You know, and, and so... Maybe it's not something that people think explicitly in those exact terms, but there is a little bit of a very quick subconscious mental calculation where you're kind of like, I don't want to push back because it's not really their fault. And do I really want to spend that energy? And da -da -da, is how much more money is this really? And so, yeah, sometimes people will just succumb to it. The other thing too, that's really important is you have to think on a basic level, money for goods or money for services is supposed to benefit both parties. If you have a good that I want and I give you money, you make money by supplying me that good and then I get the good that I want. And same thing for services, right? If you have a service that you can provide 
and I have money that I can give you for that service. You get the money for doing the service. I get the service that I want. The problem with upselling is that usually if the customer is asking for something and instead of you giving the customer that thing, you're giving them or you're offering to do even more than what they want for more money, that's not an exchange of goods for service or good for money or services for money. That's you actually asking for more money for a service that the customer doesn't want or a good that the customer doesn't actually want. So even though, and I'm not victim blaming here, right? So if you're a customer and you've given into upselling or you've given into cold calling, people are literally harassing you. So if you give into the harassment, you're just worn down. You just don't have the energy that time. So that's not your fault. But if you do have the energy, I would urge you strongly to resist for a few reasons. One is, as I mentioned before, the kinds of managers who are in charge of sales of some kind who pressure their employees to upsell and to cold call. As I mentioned before, they're looking at some numbers in a very statistically unsound way, but it reinforces their beliefs, right? So if they say, hey, we did so many cold calls last year and we're now doing more cold calls and now we're making more revenue, that just reinforces to them cold calls work. We should be doing more cold calls. And so what the only power you have in that situation as a consumer is to either a just not consume the product which again maybe you actually like the product right but the other power you have is to not give into the upselling and to not give into the cold calls right so again only if you have the energy but this would benefit everybody right so it would benefit managers in charge of sales because instead of looking at bad strategies they might get good strategies that could get them even more money and benefit their consumers more and get a better consumer seller relationship. It would benefit the employees because they wouldn't be pressured to do shitty things to their customers, right? So the front facing people, the cashiers, the call center people wouldn't have to be doing shitty things. In fact, maybe there would be fewer call center jobs and there might be jobs of other types because I don't know, maybe there are people who enjoy working in a call center, but every account I've ever read of people working call center, they've done it literally because there were no other options and that's the job they could get. And they don't usually talk very fondly about, oh yeah, I loved it when I got to work in a call center, right? So I'm not saying call center people should not have jobs. I'm saying if that job isn't something that the company views as profitable, they might have other jobs that are more fun for the employees that actually are profitable. And then of course, it's much better for the consumer. You don't want to be harassed for things that you don't want. So it's a win-win-win, or it should be. So your power as a consumer is the power to say no. And again, only if you have the willpower and the energy to do it but really i think you should so first of all cold calls i actually think are pretty easy to just say no to frankly you'd have no relationship with this company all right that's the definition of a cold call right like you it's not like you know somebody there or you've worked with them before and they're saying hey you know just a reminder we've had this working relationship before it's lit a cold call is literally cold because you have no warm interaction <laughs> there's no interaction so if you get an email from a company that's like you never heard of us before but buy our product or you get a phone call from somebody, not only should you not buy that product, you should then mentally or actually put them on a list of companies that you never wanna deal with. And that should be easy because you've never dealt with them before, right? Like that's the definition of a cold call. So it's some company that you hadn't even been considering. They're now trying to put themselves selves on your radar and all you're doing is just saying, no, you're not on my radar. In fact, you are off the radar forever. Right, so you, that one should be relatively easy. I mean, yeah, it takes a little bit of mental energy to just make a note of that, but you have no relationship. You don't, you're not trying to do anything with them. So if you are, I mean, and this isn't just personally, but I've 
worked in schools where you get cold calls from vendors all the time. We're like, hey, we have this educational software. Hey, buy this from us, whatever. And I always make a list in my head of this company had zero relationship with us and just randomly called and wasted my time. So no, we're never gonna buy your product because I know if we do, you're gonna say, ooh, remember how we got that contract with that school? It's because we cold called them. So no, never do that, okay? So that's an easy one. The harder one I think is the upselling because you do actually have a relationship and you are trying to buy a good or service. I'll give you an example. I went into Costco and I wanted to buy a Costco membership. And I had even had a Costco membership in the past, right? I like Costco. It's, 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 a, it's a nice place to go when you are trying to buy goods in bulk or groceries in bulk or whatever it is. And in the past, when I got a membership, I would just go in there and buy a membership and then I could just do my shopping. But more recently, when I tried to buy a membership, the cashier, and again, it's not the cashier's fault, obviously this person is being told to do this, made this whole big spiel about, well, there's this regular membership, but then there's this upper tier membership that you should get and tried to explain all the benefits of the upper tier membership. And I didn't end up getting the upper tier membership because it didn't make any sense. And frankly, I also was kind of like, why would I want to reward you for upselling me? And what really kind of sealed the deal, ironically, is that somebody else, once I said no, I don't know if it was this person's manager or it felt like a higher up of some kind, came in, was like, hey, hey, are you sure you don't want this? Because X, Y, and Z. And that actually, I think the intent there was to say, hey, I'm really going to try to explain this to you again. But the message I was getting is, you definitely don't want this because management wants this so badly, they're going to keep trying to push it on you even when you say no. So the message you should be getting as a consumer with upselling is not just that this isn't something that I asked for, right? Because I asked for a basic membership and instead of saying, okay, we'll sell that to you. Or, or even just saying, let me just explain to you what the upper tier membership is. And then when I say no, just taking the no for a no, they kept pushing it. It's it's almost like an annoying rapey dude who's kind of like, do you want to have sex? Do you want to have sex? No. Do you want to have sex? Are you sure you don't want to have sex? Are you sure you don't want sex? It's basically like that whole annoying person who tries to wear you down, right? But instead of with sex, they're trying to do it with membership. And so it's not rapey, but it's definitely non-consensual. <laughs> In, in a different context, in a, in a non-sexual context. Yeah, once once I saw that the manager person was trying to harass us even more, I was like, oh, definitely no. Definitely no, 100% no. That is another thing too, is that just asking is not a problem. And I don't think most consumers would think it was a problem, right? If you go in there and you say, hey, I want this basic membership level. And then they say, are you sure you don't want the, the upper membership level because you, know, you get X, Y, and Z benefits? I don't think there's anything wrong with just mentioning that there are additional benefits because you're you're just presenting the options. But then once the customer understands what the benefits are and says, no, I really want to go with the basic membership, that's when you should back off. Because the more you press, the message that the customer should be getting, and if you're a customer, this is something you should keep an eye out for, the more aggressively they try to sell you on something that you don't want, you should be thinking, this 100% doesn't benefit me and it benefits them. They will mention benefits that sound as if they benefit you, but ultimately the fact that they're pushing you when you say no means that it ultimately benefits them more than it benefits you. So back to the Costco example, I'll give you some real details here. So the basic membership 60 bucks and it gives you the privilege of shopping at Costco. Costco is a place where you can't, you can't just go in there and buy things. You have to have a membership in order to buy anything at Costco. Their upper tier membership, which I forget what it's called. I think it was like gold or something, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter what it's called. It's, it's you pay more for a different level of membership. Their upper tier membership 
is 120 bucks, so it's double the price, and it comes with what they tout as certain benefits. And their major benefit that they were trying to push is that you get 2% off, or I think it was actually 2% rebate of some kind. It wasn't like you actually get the money off for every purchase. And that eventually that could total the $60 difference between $60 and $120. And that if you didn't spend that much money, that it was guaranteed that they would give you back the difference if you came back to the store and asked for it. So that's a key part that definitely raised a red flag for me. So if you're gonna guarantee something and you're trying to tout this as a good thing for the consumer, you need to make it as easy for the consumer as possible. So it wasn't, we will just automatically credit back your credit card or debit back your credit card, whatever you call it. It wasn't, we will automatically send you a check in the mail. It was, if you come back here and ask for it, I was like, that's a red flag. But more importantly, even if you don't view that as a red flag, the fact that they were trying to say, you should spend another $60 for this membership because you could get 2% back on your purchases is also a red flag, or it should be, if you can do some math. Now, some people do spend a ton of money at Costco. Like if you have a very large family and if Costco is the primary place where you do grocery shopping, you might actually want to get that higher tier membership, but they weren't trying to make that case. They weren't saying, we know you spend a lot of money here, so this is why this is worth it. They're just saying this is worth it for everybody. And it's not true. Some quick math here, 2% of every purchase, in order to make 60 bucks, right? So let's say you spend $100, and let's say in theory, if you, if you might get a check back at some point for $2, right, of that $100, times 30, that's $100 times 30, that's $3,000. So what they're basically saying is, if you spend not just $3,000, if you spend over $3,000 a year at Costco, it might be worth it for you to get this upper tier because you might get a check back. Now think about it, you have to spend over $3,000. So if you spend $3,100 and let's say you even get the check without having to ask for it, you just spent $3,100 to get $2 back. Let's think about this in terms of real benefits. You're not gonna spend an extra $60 a year because you might get $2 back, right? If you wanna make a real deal on this, you probably wanna spend more like $3,600 a year. And then that way you might get 600, uh, six times two, you might get $12 back. <laughs> I mean, even then you're, okay, so $12 out of 60, I guess that's not that bad, right? So if you wanna kind of make some kind of deal out of this, maybe you spend $3,600 a year. $3,600 a year, uh, so 3,600 divided by 12, I think that's what, $300 a month? It's doable. Again, if you are a family, particularly a large family, because that's how you'd benefit from buying bulk goods, who shops at Costco all the time, and you know, maybe you go once a week and you spend over $100 a week, that's more than $300 a month. So it might actually be worth it for you, but that's not how they were presenting it. They weren't saying, hey, we know you're gonna spend over $400 a month. They said, it's guaranteed. If you don't spend it, you can come back here and ask us for a check for the difference. No, no, no. It got really obnoxious. And I'm, I'm not trying to harp on Costco here. Again, I enjoy shopping there. It's great. And eventually they did give in, which they shouldn't have to give in. They should, if your customer says, I want this basic membership, they should just be like, great, hand, hand us your credit card and we'll, we'll give it to you. But it's not unique to Costco. This is just an example. There are tons of companies that do this where you're just, you're just like, hey, I want this basic service. And then they're like, are you sure you don't want this premium service? I'm like, no, I want, uh, but you might want this premium service because are you sure you don't want this premium? Like if you have to ask two or three times or four or five times, if somebody wants something and they keep saying no, you're the problem. What I would say is your power as a consumer. And again, it, only if you have the energy because they're literally harassing you 
So to resist harassment, right? If you have that energy, just say no. Remember the thing that you came in there for. I promise you, if you do end up spending $3,600 at Costco, you're not going to kick yourself for not getting that premium membership so that you might get a check back for $12. And again, that Costco, it's just an example, right? But think about anything you buy. Like, let's say you're getting internet from an ISP. There's an internet service provider. It doesn't matter what the company is. Again, I'm not trying to pick on any particular company. I'm not trying to say Costco is bad because it's not unique to Costco. This is not a problem that's unique to Costco. So you're trying to buy internet. I don't know what you're trying to get. You're trying to get AT&T or Comcast or Spectrum or Cox or whatever it is. It doesn't matter who the ISP is. You sign up and then they're like, hey, are you sure you want 60 megabits per second down? Are you sure you don't want 100 megabits per second down? Because if you do, you can say, well, like, just whatever you went in there to buy, just remember that's what you wanted to buy, right? So if you wanted to buy 60 megabits per second, that's what you wanted. Get that. And don't forget, they'll always want you to spend more money. If you get 60 megabits per second, and then later on down the line, you're like, you know what? I'm streaming 4K video on three devices simultaneously all the time. Maybe I should get, you know, a, a, a gigabit pipe or something like that. There's no ISP that's going to be like, well, yeah, you missed your chance. You know, we wanted you to spend more money before, but now you're stuck on this lower tier because, you know, you didn't want to spend more money before. You can only spend this amount of money. They always want your money. So don't worry. You can always upgrade later, right? So if you get 60 megabits per second, I guarantee you, if you want to get more bandwidth, they will take your money. It doesn't quite work the other way, though. A lot of companies, if you get the higher tier first and you want to downgrade, they will make that as difficult for you as possible. They want you to, they, you won't be able to do it online. You'll have to call. You'll be put on hold. Maybe you'll be transferred to another department. They might accidentally hang up on you. But I mean, they're going to make it as difficult as possible. It's, it's similar to like when you try to cancel the New York Times or the LA Times or whatever it is, and you can sign up online. But when you try to cancel, you have to call. And then they try to say, oh, are you sure you want to cancel? Uh, this is also a really frustrating thing for me. And again, I'm not blaming the people who have to answer the phones because they're put in a, a shitty position. But hey, management, if you run a newspaper and people are canceling their subscriptions and literally telling you why they're canceling and it's not money, don't try to get them to stay on because of money. And I had to cancel both New York Times and LA Times because of their shitty editorial policies. Not because of money. I could afford it, but because of their shitty editorial policies. And I tried to tell the person on the phone, this is why I'm canceling, because of your shitty editorial policies. And instead of them being like, oh, that's noted, I'll let the editors know. They're like, okay, but you know, we could give you an extra three months of subscription free. And I'm like, I'm literally telling you I don't want your subscription. And you're trying to say, but we could give you free. So listen to your customers. Now, it's one thing if the New York Times or LA Times or Washington Post or whatever wants to say, look, we've taken your feedback and we're not going to be held hostage by this one customer canceling the subscription. We're not going to change our editorial policy because of X, Y, and Z. But it's another just be like, we completely ignore your feedback. We're hemorrhaging customers because, well, whatever. We, we offered them more for free and they didn't want it. Like, it, it, it's just, it's so ridiculously out of touch to not listen to your customers about why they're canceling subscriptions. The bottom line here, I know I've kind of rambled on a whole bunch of different topics that are kind of related, but the bottom line here is if you're in management and you're in charge of some kind of sales, listen to your customers, be nice to your customers. There are ways to make profits. There are ways to grow your revenue without being obnoxious. And to the cashiers, to the call center employees, I feel sympathy for you. And I know you don't want to be upselling people 
I mean, maybe there's one horrible person who actually does want it, but I, I, I can see the pain in your eyes. I know that this is literally what they're telling you you have to do to keep your job. And to the consumers, if you have the energy to resist, please resist. If you went in there trying to buy one thing, remember what you went in there to buy and hold firm if you can and just say, no, this is what I wanted to buy. And if you get a cold call, never do business with that company ever.